Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Okay, let's just pray and then we'll, we'll begin. Father, I thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet, Lord Jesus. It's food to our bodies, food to our spirits, it's direction. It speaks to us. It's got a voice. It speaks to areas, Lord, that no one knows about. Sometimes we don't know about ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you have a word for us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you want to speak to us. You want to give us direction. You want to bless us. You want to encourage us. So I pray, Lord Jesus, as we look at this word this morning, that you would touch every life, every family, every situation, every person who hears my voice, whether it's in this room or outside of this room, through the podcast, I pray, Father, that uh, lives will change and encouragement will be renewed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If I was going to preach a word to you, uh, and say it was my, this isn't, God willing, my final word to you, but if I was going to preach uh, a final word to you, I think this word this morning would go pretty close to the one that I would preach to you. Uh, because it's from uh, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. And uh, this verse of Scripture really encourages me, builds me up. Uh, it's one I've memorized, because it's an easy one to memorize, and it's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And uh, it's there, yes. And uh, that's how simple it is. That's why I'm able to memorize it. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. It's one I've memorized, and it's an easy one to memorize, But if you have children, and you're not upstairs or through the room or wherever they are today, um, can I encourage parents, uh, those who are listening by podcast or those who are listening in the room or even as adults, to teach your children and help them to memorize scripture. It is vital. I wish when I was young, my parents had really instilled in me from a very early age for me to memorize Scripture. We did, to be fair to them, learn a lot of Scriptures in Sunday school. And often when I'm preparing a message, God will bring back Scriptures to my memory that I have long since thought I'd forgotten. Teaching your children Scripture is so important. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 4, how when the, uh, the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness and uh, started to quote scriptures, to <laughs> the, the cheek of him, <laughs> quoting scriptures to the Son of God, you know, and, uh, and Jesus uh, replied to him, quoting scripture. Well, he wasn't sitting here or in the wilderness with one of these. He wasn't saying, oh, let me just look that up. Where's the reference? I'm sure there's a word for, you know, temptation. Let me just see. What it... You know, he wasn't doing that. He, was, he, was, he had memorized Scripture. So he, like that, he was coming back at the enemy because he knew God's Word. 
to learn God's word at my age is hugely difficult because of age. It is. To memorize scripture is still possible, but it's much more difficult than it is for a five-year-old, a seven-year-old to memorize scripture. Now, as church, we have some responsibility for your children. But the huge responsibility for your children is with the parents. And if you, can I just encourage you to teach them uh, to memorize scripture and have a memory verse for the month, you understand, or the week, or, or however long it takes them to memorize that scripture. Um, David said in Psalm 119, Thy word I have hidden in my heart. He says, I'm hiding it in my heart for some time later. You know when you used to go to school, and us boys used to put a bag of sweets in the, in the pocket, you know, and you hide them in there, and you're sitting in, maybe it's just me, the way you're looking, but you hide them in there, and you're sitting in the class, and, you, and it's getting very boring and everything else, and you just say, oh, I've hidden something there, you know. And sometimes in life, you get into difficult situations, and if you can go back to a verse of Scripture that it's just been hidden away for a time such as that. It's wonderful. You know, Mary, mother of Jesus, Luke one forty seven, sang a song. And with the song that she sang was various verses of Scripture. It wasn't, didn't have a hymn sheet. She had memorized them. From, she sang from 1 Samuel chapter 2. Jeremiah says in uh, chapter 15 verse 16, he says that, that, you know, in that verse he says, when God's word came, he ate it. He ate the words, he says. He ate the words. He, he says, I want to get this inside of me somehow. And we don't always carry a phone or a Bible or something we can look up. And sometimes the only reference we have got is what we have memorized. Solomon says, write God's word on the tablet of your heart. And I bet you in this room, most of us have a verse of Scripture that we know. And it's probably our favorite verse of Scripture. I'm not, don't look so worried. I'm not going to ask you what your favorite verse of Scripture is. Because, it, because it's disappearing off the back of your mind. And you <laughs> instantly forget what you should remember. I'm not going to ask you to do that, so relax. But come a bad day that verse of Scripture will come to you and it will encourage you. It will circle you and nurture you in a way that the local newspaper or whatever can't do. In Deuteronomy 6, it says, And these words I shall command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's those verses saying? It's saying, just put God's word anywhere and everywhere. You know, a notelet in the, in the, the mirror, you know, a piece of scripture beside your bed, in your office, in your car, write God's word, but don't just have it there, learn it, learn it, because it will bless you uh, 
incredibly. And I always say I've got a bad memory. It's not a good thing to say. And often some of us give that as an excuse. But do you think, and I was thinking of this myself yesterday, we remember the most useless information. 627516. What does that number mean? That was the number of my father's business when I was about eight years old. I have memorized it. 627593. My house phone number when I was 10. Amazing, isn't it? Ronnie Simpson, Jim Craig, Tommy Gemmell, Bobby Murdoch, Billy McNeil, John Clark, Jimmy Johnson, Willie Wallace, Steve Chalmers, Bertie Auld, Bobby Lennox. The 1967 European Cup winning team called Celtic. <laughs> Sandy says he knew that. But <laughs> Mark, Mark would never know that. <laughs> because Mark would never know that because they have never won it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and do you understand? We memor- when we're growing up, we memorize. We're like blotting paper, soaking things in. But as we get older, it's like, what did I come upstairs for? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what am I going to the shops for? Why, why am I here? Why, why am I in Morrison's? <laughs> Who am I married to? <laughs> then, you, then you come out of Morrison's, you say, where's my car? <laughs> you think I'm joking? <laughs> yeah, when we were travelling recently, I, I, I honestly, maybe I fall asleep waiting at the airport, and I wake up and think, where am I? <laughs> what airport is this? You know, we remember so many things when we are younger, and now I can stand and declare to you the Celtic football team from 1967. That's like, what, 33, 48 years ago. Isn't that amazing? So we, you, our young people, and I, I'm not getting on to what I'm going to talk about yet. I'm just, this was in passing, really. Um, our young people, our kids, that's why what's happening through the room, whatever, I don't know what's happening through the room. Probably, <laughs> probably, probably folks are against the wall like this. <laughs> but whatever's happening <laughs> through the weeks and through the months is brilliant because our young people are getting instilled in them God's word. You know, I'll come and I'll go. Preston will come, Preston will go. Churches will come, churches will go. But God's word never changes. It never moves. It's stable. So if you can get that inside our heads, then come your worst day on earth, you'll be so blessed that you got something inside. And not like me, the Celtic football, Celtic football team or phone numbers from way back when. So train up a child in the way it shall go, and when it's old, it will not depart from it. Okay, this morning I want to look at this verse, my memory verse. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When you were young, you were carefree. You look at any little one, any toddlers, they are carefree. Just carefree. They just run around with abandon. And then when we get older... Someone gave us, through the years, the cares of the world. Didn't they? You're not as carefree as you used to be. No, you're not. 
I can tell by your body language. <laughs> You're not carefree. Uh, you learned... You learned cares from your friends. When you were at school, what they did to you, what they said to you, suddenly you began to have cares. I know with our granddaughters, what some kids say to them at school, suddenly they have this frown that they never ever had when they were much younger. They get cares. We catch them from our enemies. It's almost like they lob cares to us. And the enemy himself... Satan is always putting cares onto us. We inherit cares from our parents. What our parents worry about is often what we worry about. So if you were brought up to uh, be very uh, uh, worried about money, then guess what? You'll be worried about money. We catch cares. And we are given cares by our bosses as well. If you don't do this by this time next week, then just collect your P45 or a P60, whatever it is, at the door on the way out. All sorts of threats, all sorts of uh, things that we need to care about. Cares, we say, we say people are careful, or they're careful. And we say that like it's great. And we say other people are careless. And we say that's bad, don't we? I want to look at it slightly different this morning. Because rather than being, saying to someone they're careful, that that's a compliment, um, and, and being careless is a criticism, I want to turn that on its head. Because I believe God wants us to be, and this is the title, it should be there somewhere, carefully careless. Carefully careless. Carefully careless. Because God recognizes that in this world, we will have cares. We're all going to have cares. We all do have cares. I saw you walk in this morning, and some of you looked like you were carrying the cares of the world. It's like, I made it another week. So, you know, I've staggered in. I've made it through another week. And we're like, we're carrying the cares of the world on our shoulders. Whether it's people or things or situations, or even churches, or ministries, jobs, whatever it is, we carry those cares. It's normal, it's natural. Because in every single job, every single situation, we do have cares. And these situations and these worries make us careful. Full of care. And as I say, maybe you walked in here this morning full of cares. We carry, just to say this in passing, we carry too many cares. You, I, were not built to carry the cares that we carry. And people who are perfectionists often carry many more cares than others. Because nothing is ever just like it should be. They're wired for things to be perfect, and then they see things not being perfect, and it becomes a care. People who are looking for approval from other people are full of cares. Because if somebody just looks the wrong way, or nods their head at the wrong time, then doesn't affirm them, 
then they become full of care because they are looking for affirmation. They're looking for approval. And we all know, don't we? (laughs) People will love you one minute and hate you the next. Just become a football manager. You'll find that. (laughs) They'll love you and they'll welcome you and there'll be a big parade and a big entrance into the stadium. I think of Real Madrid. You know, they get maybe 40,000, 50,000 people there to welcome this new player, this this new manager, whatever. And then a few weeks later, it's like there's no one there. See you. Goodbye. You know, people change their attitudes. They're fickle. People who have a past are people who have cares. They cannot forgive themselves. Maybe that's you this morning. You know your past. You know you. And you cannot forgive yourself. And that is a care. People who have been hurt. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, whatever way you have been hurt, that is a care that you are often carrying. People who are ill, people who are seriously ill, carry that care. They carry it. They are careful. People who have no money are careful. They are full of cares. People who have money, believe it or not. The exact opposite of having no money is having money. And they often have as much cares as the people with no money. You've heard of Donald Trump. I told you the story before. He walked out of a hotel, one of his Trump plazas in New York many years ago. And there was a man begging on the street. And the man had his little hat on. You know, they had the hat and the money's in the, in the cap, you know. And... Uh, his, his colleague said to Donald Trump, look at uh, how little that man's got. And he said to his colleague, Donald Trump, he says, that man's got more money than I've got because all my money's borrowed. You understand? One had no money, full of cares. One had huge hotels and everything else, running for president now, and he's got money now. But he was full of cares. And having money or not having money can produce cares. Success produces cares. How can I hang on to the success that I've got? Whether you're a pop star, footballer, manager, director, owner, leader, whatever you are, it produces cares. Everyone has got cares. But still God says, and because of that, God says, cast all your cares upon me for, because I care for you. Well, Paul says, Paul, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And that is the truth I want you to get into your head this morning. Because God cares too. <laughs> he is full of cares. He is careful. Because all of us and all of the world that belongs to him should be filling him up with cares. But he has the capacity to cope with the cares that we don't have the capacity to cope with. And he has cares, but he has the capacity. So when our little son and our daughter comes to us with their little care, whatever their little care is, and they get bigger as they get older, we, we know that, don't we? Those of you at my sort of age, you know they, they used to come with, you know, a skint knee, and now they come with whatever. Uh, 
And, and, and we used to say, they said to you, we used to say to them, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And so they would come with whatever it is. You know, we were in uh, somebody's house, Lydia's house, and one of the little ones went to the fire, not the fire, it's not a real fire, and picked up something, and I can't remember what it was, and she obviously realized this is a bit heavy, and brought it over to Susan and thought, that's yours. You understand? And that's what they do, don't they? They pick up something and they think, what have I got this for? Over to you and just and drop it or give it or whatever. And that's what children do. And it's in that sense that what we need to do with God. Because we believe when we are younger, when we are babies, when we are toddlers, that mummy and daddy can take care of everything. It's only when we become a teenager that we realize that we are much smarter than them. <laughs> and then... And then 10 years later, we think, actually, my parents have learned a lot in the last 10 years. (laughs) Uh, But it's an instinctive reaction of a child to cast our cares upon our parents. Something, you know, they become very brave and they they, they go out towards something and then something scares them. They immediately look back and start screaming or looking or whatever because they want to give you their care. And God, and God says in his word, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And then as we get older, don't we, we become selective. As little ones become teenagers, we become selective in telling our parents what cares we actually have. Don't we? Well, they came with everything when they were two or six months, or nine months, or year three, four. And then you begin to realize, as the years go past, there are certain cares they're not telling you about. So children are often bullied at school. And sometimes the parents are the last to know. Because the, the little child doesn't want to give you, for whatever reason, their care. And that's demoralizing as a parent, isn't it? That our little child that we gave birth to won't come to me with that care. And you long to be able to sort the care out. But somehow the child, the teenager, sometimes the adult will not come to you with the care that they have. And sometimes you hear little ones who have been bullied to say, I didn't think anybody was interested. I, I thought I'd have to sort it out myself. I didn't know who to trust. But the Bible says we can trust God with all of our heart. Everything that's on your heart this morning, God says, I want you to tell me about it. I don't just want you to tell me about it. I want you to give me that care, that worry, that fear, that stress. You see, we're taught so many things that are wrong. In, in, in life, we are taught to take all we can. Take as much money from the job as you can. Get the best job you can. Get this, get this. And the Bible says, it's better to give than to receive. You think, that's not what I've been taught. You see? We're taught to be careful. The Bible says God wants us to be careless. You know, I remember somebody saying to me, I've got broad shoulders, I can cope with this. And he couldn't, truth be told. 
You understand? God doesn't want us to have broad shoulders. He wants us to pass on what the enemy, what people, what life has given us. He wants us to shunt it down the road to him. So as Christians, we have to retrain ourselves. We have to teach ourselves not to be natural in our thinking, but to be supernatural in our thinking. All I have said is a supernatural thought life. Careless, carefree, instead of careful and care heavy. So how do we do it? Very quickly. Number one, you have to become aware of it. Aware of it. Be aware of yourself. I guarantee nearly everybody, nearly everybody, but not everybody, Nearly everybody, before they came out to church this morning, looked in a mirror. Some of you for a long time. Some of you didn't, and you're shaking your heads. And I can see why. (laughs) Sorry. That was below the belt, wasn't it? But we have to become aware of ourselves, don't we? And that's why we look in the mirror. We want to see if, do I look ridiculous? I don't need to get to the mirror. I just need to put on the clothes. And Susan says, no, 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 back again. (laughs) Try again, you know, try again. Or sometimes you'll just push past me and go into my wardrobe and pick out what I am going to wear. But I I picked today, whatever. (laughs) But we have to become aware of ourselves. We have to recognize ourselves. Do I look good? Am I looking okay? Am I looking presentable? But we never or very rarely look at the mirror inwardly. Inwardly. And see who we really are. See what our issues are, our faults are. Why are you acting like this, we say to a child or a teenager. Sometimes we need to ask the question to ourselves, why am I acting like this? And often it's because we are careful. We're full of cares. And we need to be able to look at ourselves and begin even to write down, what am I worried about? What am I worried about? And then when you write them down, you think, well, you should be worried. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but you write, write them down. Because when you write them down, sometimes they look ridiculous. They look absolutely ridiculous. You know, I'm frightened to go to the shops because I might meet Mrs. such and such. You think, how ridiculous. Or I don't want to go there because they might be there. Or, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, it's been 20 years now, but I'll never forgive them. You think, really? So we need to write them down and become aware of the cares that we have. Because writing them down, it becomes a mirror to what's actually going on inside. <laughs> when you see it on paper, why do I have a constant headache? Why, why is everyone annoying me? Why are people a pain? Why is money so important? Where did I get that from? Why is my job just more important than my wife? You understand? Why can I never relax? It's only when you look inwardly you begin to realize, why am I acting in such a way? So we have to become aware. That's A. A. R. Replace it intentionally. Number two, replace it intentionally. You simply cannot tell yourself to stop caring. 
That will never work. I, I need to stop caring. I need to stop taking on these cares. I need to stop stressing. I need to stop worrying. Right, that's it decided. That's it stopped. Well, that will not work. It will not work. You cannot simply decide to stop fretting, stop having anxiety. You have to replace the anxiety with something. And you have to replace it with a promise. And this is the promise. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He cares for us. He is doing the work for us. That's the promise. I said replace it with a promise. That's the promise. He will care for you. So the front end of the verse, it acknowledges that we will have cares. So we are going to have cares. You will have cares this week. Me preaching in this this morning is not going to stop you having cares this week. It's what you do with that care. So God acknowledges that we will have cares, but the back end of the verse is the promise. He cares for us. So, this, this maybe just to a Scotsman, but I, I think, well, if Susan's worrying about this, there's no need for me to worry. You understand? Most men think that way. <laughs> but then, maybe take that to a higher level than Susan... Then, <laughs> and there is a higher level than Susan, just in case. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, a higher level than Susan, God. He is doing the caring. So we're in his hands. So why am I caring? M- maybe just, is that just common sense? Is, is that simplicity? But if he's going to care, what, what am I going to be doing caring? With my little brain span and... and, and my little bit of, uh, uh, you know, of life experience. Why would I want to be caring when the God of the universe is caring? And he's going to be caring for me. So why, why am I caring? So I need to be, A, aware. I need to replace my care with, uh, with a promise. And the promise is he'll do the caring. So we replace it with a promise, not with nothing. Don't replace You don't try and replace your cares with nothing. It will not work. You replace it with a promise. And it's not my promise, it's God's promise. And he never, ever, ever, ever breaks a promise. Never, ever. Okay, so he never breaks a promise. And then number three, we're aware of it, we replace it. Number three, we trust. Be careful to trust. Cares in our life Come and then they remain because when you boil it, boil it, boil it, boil it, boil it down, we don't trust God to do what he says he's going to do. I'll take charge of this. Step aside, Holy Spirit. I've got this. Understand? I can, I've got broad shoulders. I can cope with this. And so we decide that we'll just cope with with some things, and then give, give God the big things. And then when something dramatic comes in our lives, we suddenly remember how to pray. We suddenly remember who God is. We suddenly start claiming any verse that we've memorized from whenever. We start repeating, you know, our Father which has in heaven. Any, we say anything, don't we? Because, because suddenly the need is, is great. But we haven't trained ourselves to just give him everything. Everything. All your cares, just Everything. And so we have to trust him with our cares. So I want to take the pressure off you this morning. Because you all brought in cares. I brought in cares. You brought in cares. 
Success in your life, success, true success in your life, God's success in your life is not down to you. It is not down to your great interview, your, your uh, degree. There's, there's people in huge jobs who have never even got a degree. There's people in all sorts of positions, all sorts, got all sorts of benefits, and God has just placed them on them. You understand? My, both my brothers, yeah, not my sister, but my, both my brothers went to theological college, and they're pastors. And I'm a pastor. You may think you need to go to theological college. That's a different matter. But do you understand? God can give you things. You understand? Um, Linda, you were telling me a story of your daughter. In, uh, you wonder what I'm going to say now. It just comes to mind. <laughs> if I can tell this. <laughs> it's going all around the world. Um, of your daughter who went and she's a teacher. Teaching in a nursery. Is that right? And yet you're other relation, I can't remember who it is now, went to be a teacher and trained to be a teacher for four years. And her daughter in Dubai suddenly walk in and starts teaching. Five minutes. You understand? Because God can do more in five minutes than we can do in four years. I'm not, I'm nothing against training. I'm, in, I'm into training, okay? I'm into college. I'm into Bible college. I'm in, into all those sort of things. But God can do... In one minute, what it would take me 10 years to do. So let me take the pressure off you. Take the pressure off you. Success in your life is not down to you. I can, I can feel the cares just slipping off your shoulders right now. You understand? Because I'm going to give that care, whether I'm going to be a success in my life, I'm going to give that to God. Because he sometimes judges what success is differently from what I judge it to be. So there's a verse in Proverbs 3, verse 5. Anyone's favorite verse, memory verse, Proverbs 3, verse 5? Just Right, what is it, Mark? Exactly, see? There, now. Scotsman. <laughs> I say, I'll say no more. <laughs> We have to trust him. Trust the Lord with all of your heart issues, all of your heart worries, all of your heart stresses, all of your heart cares. Trust him with all of that and don't lean to what you understand. You know, so many people come to me and say, um, this has happened, this has happened, so I'm going to have to. That's our own understanding. Understand that's what we've we've deciphered. I need to I've worked this out, Jack, and this is what I have to do. But in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That means he'll show you the road that you should go down every day. Every single day. But we have to trust him. Careful people lack trust. And we all do that. That's why we decide to worry. Because we think it's down to us to get the job done. And sometimes we worry because sometimes we feel that we're not up to the job of getting it done. So we begin, so stress becomes distress. You understand? Because we've, we've gone over the limit, like the coffee that's 
poured in, poured in, poured in, and suddenly it's overflowing. Stress is having the coffee in the cup. Distress comes when the, the, the coffee's overflowing. And that's when we feel, I can't cope anymore. And that's when we have breakdowns. That's when we become ill. That's when marriages break up. All sorts of things because we are in distress. And we've leaned to our own understanding. And we're full of cares. Careless people in the Bible sense are not lacking, not lacking care. But their caring is done for them. They farm out their cares. They cast out their cares. They get someone else to do it for them. So like a child, just picture the child coming with whatever is troubling them. They come to the parent with their care. So we become aware of it, we replace it, and we learn to trust. We're nearly finished. Because we learn trust and we learn mistrust by experiencing life. When we get let down, we begin to mistrust what people say. That happens as you get older, because you begin to learn what people are like. And as Christians, we often transfer and project that mistrust onto God. Can't trust anyone, so therefore I can't trust God. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He did not say, I'll never let you down or upset you. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He did not say, I will never let you down or upset you. God has often let me down. Because I had an image, I had an idea, and then he lets me down because he does not do what I wanted him to do. There's no easy way of saying it, but he lets me down. And God will let you down. Thank God he will let us down. But he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's not saying I'll never let you down or upset you. He upsets you. You know that. I don't need to tell you. God upsets you. So watch what he promises. He may upset me. He may upset me from my soulish intentions and projects. But he'll always do what's best for me. Always. He'll always do what's right for me. Right for you. Right for your family. Right for your loved ones. If you trust him, he will do that. So learn to be carefully careless is being aware, replace, and trust. It's an art. (laughs) A-R-T. It's an art. It's an art that you have to learn. It doesn't come overnight. You have to practice it. It doesn't come because you were born in a certain way. It's not just something you fall into. It doesn't come easy. It's an art to be carefully careless. It's something you have to be intentional about. But we can do it. But no matter what stress, some of the stresses in this, in this room, would, if you knew the stresses, would blow your bad cold away to smithereens. You understand? I've come in here with a cough, and it's the worst thing. It's, I believe it's coming into man flu. But don't worry, guys. I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going to soldier through, you know, as we all do, men, don't we? We soldier through. <laughs> <laughs> but you understand, if we knew what other people were going through, but you know, that care can be shunted to one side. 
and given to God. But we have to be intentional about it. But we can do it. It can happen. We can learn good behavior the same way as we learn bad behavior. We can learn good habits the same way as we learn bad habits. And when I teach leadership, they're going to be up a slide in a second. When I teach um, leadership on attitude, I teach about the circle. In fact, can you put it up now, uh, Dan? And uh, this is what I teach about. I teach about how a thought becomes a meditated thought. And that thought that you meditate on becomes a decision. And then that decision leads to an action. If that action is continued, it leads to continual action. When you pass through continual action, you then have a habit in your life. And that habit creates an attitude, which leads to other thoughts. That's true of negative behavior. It's true of positive behavior. Thought, meditation, decision, action, continual action, habit, attitude, thought. Meditating on the thought. We can now make a decision. I've been been bringing a thought to you this morning. You have a decision to make. If that decision leads you to act in a different way and continually act in a different way, that will become a new habit in your life. That's why you see often people stand up for Christ and they make what we call a decision. And then you say, well, where, where are they three months later? It's because their repentance did not lead to action. They repented, and it's almost like they decided to turn the other way and walk in the other direction, but then they decided, do you know what? No. I'll just keep doing what I'm going to do. And that's what some of us will do today. You know, I've talked about being carefree and careless. But some of us think, no, no, I'll collect my cares when I walk out to the car park, you know, because I've thought about this, and my decision is I'd rather just care about it. Then I can worry, and then I can feel like I'm in control. But for those of us who decide, you know, the decision today is going to lead to a different action. I'm going to actually practice this art. I'm going to become aware of it. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to realize who I am. And I'm going to cast my cares upon him. And I'm going to keep doing that and keep doing it and keep doing it. And that then becomes a habit. And you might think, well, yeah, but they've only got small cares. Yeah, but when the big cares come we begin to do what we do with the small cares. And that that creates an attitude in our life, an attitude of giving God what's his. And he says, your cares belong to me. They belong to me. And maybe for just one person this morning, you're going to cope with what you're going to go through because you're going to learn that you can cast all those small things, all these huge things, you're going to cast them upon God. Because he says, I'm looking for cares. I don't have enough cares because my church does not give me what's due to me. And what's due to me is all their cares. Casting all your cares upon him for he wants to care for us. So maybe today is the day we'll begin to go being from full of cares to casting our cares Upon him. That's his job. That's, his, that's what he wants. He wants us to be aware, replace, trust.
aware of who we are and what cares we have. Some of us have got cares and we don't realize we've got them because we've never written them down. We've never done, never done an analysis and realized, you know what? I'm caring about this. I'm worrying and stressing and distressing about this. I never knew it. I never realized that was the root that that came from. And we need to become aware. And then we need to replace it with the promise, God's promises. And then we need to trust him with all of our heart and not lean to our own understanding. Not work it out, you know, I do this and do this and say this and make that phone call, send that email, write that letter, I can do it. Not to say you can't do any of these things, but sometimes we're doing it in our own strength. And we need to realize God's saying, just give it to me. Just give, just give it. Just give it. And then leave it there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Pray as we come into a time of worship, Lord, some of us can begin to cast our cares upon you, Lord Jesus. Just cast them this morning. Cast them at his feet. When Jesus was living in the New Testament, people came with every fear, every stress, every difficulty imaginable. And he was able to deal with every single one. Every single one. But they had to trust him. So Lord, we trust you this morning with that care that we walked in with. We give you it now. We give you it now. We give you it now. We release it to you now. And we will continually release it to you. Over the days and weeks to come, we continually release and we will accept your pathways, Lord. We'll accept your pathways. Direct our pathways. In Jesus' lovely and precious name. Amen. Let's... For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcentre.com.